We're in the book of Acts chapter 1, so make your way there. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 9 this morning by way of uh, review. Remember that we're taking a slow walk, right? A slow walk through the book of Acts. We want to learn what God is going to teach us. We want to learn from this book. We want to make application and all those things. But as we're going through the book of Acts, we're going slowly. We want to take in all the sights. And folks, let's not be too hurry. Let's take in all the sights. But we want to, as we walk slowly through this book of Acts, we want to make application. As I get to the end of my message this morning, you need to ask yourself, God, what is it that you're teaching me? What is it that you're telling me? What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to grow in? Uh, as we walk through this book of Acts, we've learned of the person of Christ. We've discussed the many infallible proofs of his resurrection, how that he was seen by so many and over 500 at one time. We've learned of the promise of the Holy Spirit and how it was necessary that we could have the Holy Spirit in order to be witnesses. We've learned about the priorities and focusing on the things of the kingdom of God. And then we found out the program designed by God, how to be witnesses and where to be witnesses and how that his plan is so much better than our plan. And then this morning, we want to talk about the parting, P-A-R-T-I-N-G, or simply his ascension, his ascension. Acts chapter 1-9, before we get there, let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we pray at this time that you'd calm my spirit. May I slow down and say clearly, speak clearly and say the words you'd have me to say. God, as we've gathered here together, we recognize and we confess that you, you are meeting with us through the presence of your Holy Spirit. We have that promise, dear God, and we're so thankful. So as we're here, may we keep that in mind, that you're, you, you are to receive all of our honor, our glory, and our praise. God, help us individually and collectively, corporately, to learn what it is you want us to do. But God, I pray that we'd all now focus independently and let your Holy Spirit and your word speak to us. Teach us, O oh God, direct our steps. May we leave this building closer to you than when we came in. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9 says, And when he had spoken these things, they beheld. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. While they beheld, can you imagine? I cannot imagine what that must have been like. To be standing there and talking with the Lord Jesus Christ and then to have seen this sight. I mean, already they had been amazed by his resurrection, though they doubted, they doubted, but then they were soon would see him to face to face, and, and then Christ had provided him, remember the many infallible proofs that he had resurrected. But whereas the resurrection had happened in secret, you remember? Nobody was there when it happened. It happened in secret. His ascension was openly visible to many disciples. They saw him go. That's why it says, while they beheld. I can only imagine it must have been like head back and mouth open. Why? Nobody had ever seen this before. Nobody had ever seen this before. But his resurrection was a triumph of the highest order. It signaled the conquest of the grave forever 
and for all those that know him as Savior. Praise God. Not only did Jesus resurrect, though, this resurrection was so powerful, many others did as well. You know, can you imagine? Two may have been walking down the road and saying, did you hear what happened? They're saying that this Jesus has risen from the grave. They say the tomb is empty. And they get about to that point and they look across the, the road and they go, wait a minute. We buried him last week. And he's walking around. That must have been a sight. Talk about the power of God. These resurrections were the first fruits of the coming harvest. Take your Bibles and open to the book of Matthew chapter 27. Have your Bibles and your phones ready. What a wonderful device, day and age, that we can live in all this technology. Oh, if I could just learn it, Michelle. If I can just learn it. Matthew chapter 27, verses 52 and 53, it says, And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. See, in God's eyes, the saint just asleep. But now it says to be absent of their body is be present with the Lord. Verse 53, and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Jesus spoke of himself, by the way. He spoke of himself, declaring that he is the resurrection. Now turn over to John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, so I can show you from scripture. That's what he said. That's what he said. Jesus declared that he is the resurrection. In John 11, chapter 25, John 11, chapter 25, and following it says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. You know, resurrection, as rare as it was, was a known phenomenon. It was a known phenomenon. Others, by the power of God, had risen from the dead. While you're it's still there in the gospel, turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. You know, it's good not just to sit there and listen, but it's good to do the exercising of looking up. Why? It helps to put it in your mind. How many are visual learners? You see things and you learn that way. How many listen and can learn? You know, uh, I'm going to find my slot here one of these days. I don't know that I'm either one. But at any rate... It was a known phenomenon in Luke chapter 7 verse 11 says, And it came to pass that day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. And he came and touched the beer. Now, I looked it up. That's the way it's pronounced. It's beer. I wanted to say buyer, but it's beer. And a beer is a, a frame. It's a movable frame. It's something that you can carry a coffin on or a body. And in this case, they were carrying the body of this young man on this beer. And they that bear him stood still. You know, can you imagine you're carrying this corpse to the grave, this dead body, and somebody comes up and touches that? Well, it caused them to have, give pause. 
And so they stopped where they were at. And the verse says, And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. And they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet is risen up among us. And that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of a hymn went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. How many believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Say amen. amen. How many believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the penalty of your sin? Say amen. amen. How many say that he rose again, showing that he had power of death, hell, and the grave? Say amen. 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 You know what? Just like we believe and know that to be true, these people as they stood there and they say that a great prophet is risen up, up among us and that God has visited this people. And then what happened, it says, and this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea. We should be having this rumor, not a rumor, but going out from us that we are being a witness and testimony and testifying to the fact that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he died on the cross for your sins. We should be doing the same thing. We have another example in the Old Testament of a person being resurrection. So take your Bibles, go to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. A couple of prophets here. We're talking about Elijah a little bit. I love Elijah and Elisha and their stories. But in 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to begin in verse 17. It says, and it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And sickness, his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. What? He's dead. He's dead. And she said unto Elijah, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom. I can only imagine as she was there. I don't know what the age of this boy was. But in her arms. Holding him like this. Holding him like this. Probably rocking back and forth. Perhaps one of the saddest sights I have ever seen one day. Was driving down 60. Interstate 60 down in the, oh, it's around uh, Corona and uh, south part of uh, Ontario. And as I'm driving, I noticed that the traffic had backed up and gotten very slow. Well, that meant there was an accident. And sure enough, as I drew closer, I could see that a van had been involved and, and the front end of their vehicle was damaged and there was a hole in the windshield. And as I slowed down and, and drove by, I saw that several were out of the car. They seemed to be doing all right. But there on the ground, in the median, was a mother holding her child that when they had got hit, it threw the baby through the windshield. The baby was died, had died. And she was rocking that baby in her arms. And I can imagine, as I read this, I thought of that story, how this woman must have been rocking that baby in her arms, clinging to him. And it continues on and it says, and carried him up into the loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. 
And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord, say, and said unto, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. I look at that phrase and it makes me think, is the Lord hearing your prayer this morning? We want him to. By the way, we need him to. We need him to. And the soul of the child came unto him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, see, thy son liveth. Oh, wow. Amen. The power of God in his resurrection. Again, in the New Testament, you know, the great apostle reminded us in that great Hall of Faith chapter, chapter 11, verse 35 says, Women receive their dead, raised to life again. And it takes us back to our verse. And when he had spoken these things, talking about his person, talking about the many infallible proofs, talking about the priorities, talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And now he's going to be received into heaven. He's going to ascend. That's what happened. As miracle, as miraculous as someone coming back to life, though, as miraculous as someone being resurrected, never had anyone ever witnessed someone defy gravity. Can you imagine that? I mean, we're not talking just about floating for a few seconds. It must have left everyone in awe. That's where you have where it says that while they beheld, their mouths had to have been open. You know, I love sports. I love baseball, football, basketball. I think what I like mostly about it is I like seeing people performing at a very high level of ability. I like that with people with minds <laughs> that can think, that can work things out, engineer type stuff. You know, I think that's just fantastic. But as sports, you can see it physically. You can see these things that are happening, going on. These men, these women, that God has given them the ability, given them the ability to perform at that high level. I'm thinking of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan was a phenomenal basketball player. And, it, and, it's, and like with whether you're talking baseball or football or whatever, you, you know, you might have you, all these great ball players you might have back in my day or earlier, later in my later days, Joe Montana. It just seemed to be a little bit step above the other player. Or, or a Mickey Mantle or a Willie Mays that was a step above those other players. And Michael Jordan was same, was the same. He just seemed to be able to do things that others could not do. As a matter of fact, they called him what? Air Jordan. Air Jordan. Why did they call him that? They called him that because Michael Jordan would be coming down, driving the lane, and he would take off. And the defender would go, oh, he took off. I'm taking off. And so they're up in the air together. And what would happen? The defender would come down, and Michael would still be in the air. How is he doing that? And he would slam the ball hole through the hole, and he'd score. Well, not only did Jesus levitate, he rose steadily into heaven. 
You know, just when the disciples thought, I've been with Jesus, I've seen it all. Jesus did it again. He did it again. We all know of the ascending, Jesus ascending into heaven as recorded in the book of Acts. But did you know that under the Holy Spirit's direction, this ascension is mentioned about 20 times in the New Testament. And it's using different words, it's using different expressions. And so it presents us a good picture of what happened. Well, Jesus has gone home. He's left, he's gone home. He's gone back beyond the stars. He's back, gone back to glory land from where he came. Can you imagine his reception? My goodness. But he was different than when he left. Because now he has a human body. And by the way, that body is battle scarred. Remember what he took for us? The beatings, scourging on the cross is a resurrected body. It's a glorified body. I can imagine as he arrived at the gates of glory, how that those gates swung open wide. Why? Because he's come home. He went into the glory land. He walked on the streets of gold. I can imagine as his adoring throng of angels stood there watching him, praising him. He went up to the throne of the Father and he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. See him, the God-man, the second person in the Trinity as co-equal with God. Why? He had every right to be there. Every right to be there. You know, the spiritual significance of that ascension must not be overlooked. It means we now have an advocate with the Father. We, you and I, have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That old apostle John again said it this way in 1 John 2.1. He said, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Think of it. We that know Jesus Christ their Savior... We have a mediator in a heaven. It's a great high priest. It's a great high priest. Praise God. He's able to minister on our behalf as the perfect daysman. Take your Bibles and open to the book of Job. Book of Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. He is our perfect daysman. Perfect daysman. A perfect daysman. Job 9.33, it says, Neither is there any daysman betwixt us, or between us, that may lay his hand upon us both. So you have to ask yourself, what's a daysman? What's a daysman? A daysman is a mediator. A daysman is a mediator. Uh, if I were to have a couple up here, what, I can give you an illustration how it would work. This daysman, a mediator, is someone that would stand between the two and he'd put his hand on the one and his hand on the other. And he is the mediator between the two. The mediator between the two. And he's one that can identify with both parties. We do not need a mediator 
between Jesus Christ and us. He is the mediator. First Timothy chapter 2, 5 says, For there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ is our blessed daysman. It's he who mediates between us. He puts us ha his hand on us and then his hand on the Father. He is our daysman. He is our daysman redeemer. I think it was Philip Bliss that wrote in his hymn, Hallelujah, what a savior. He said, lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah, what a savior. I'm drawing to a close of the message this morning, but I have some questions. You know, as we study the book of Acts, as with any book in the Bible, we must remember that as we allow God's words to come into our ears, that God wants to do a work in our life. He wants to do a work in our heart. He wants to fashion us for his purposes. So we need to ask ourselves this morning and ask yourself individually, what is God talking to me about? What is God trying to get me to see? Is God dealing with me about some sin in my life? Or does he have a new direction, a ministry, something that I can do? To the child of God, this message should be an encouragement to know that we serve the true and the living God. God that has power over death, hell, and the grave. God that has the ability to return physical life to those that have died. But not only that, God that can give spiritual life to those that are dead spiritually. See, God can usurp the powers of this world. To those that may be here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this message is for you today and it's one of hope. One of hope. It's the story of the Savior to all of mankind. God would have that all would be saved if they just would receive him. God's word tells us, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. A lot of people say, why would God send people to hell? He doesn't. It's your choice. It's your choice. You see, it's not Christ that's condemning you. It's your sin. Romans 6.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've already been condemned with no help of reaching heaven. John 3.18 says this, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So child of God, back to you. What are you going to do with the message this morning? What are you going to do with the message this morning? Will it be just another one of those messages? I came in, I sat down, I sang, I stood up, I gave money in the offering, I heard the message and you're out the door. Will it be one of those messages where you just will not have anything impact in your life? You're going to get up and before you get to the back doors, you will already have forgotten what was said this morning. You know, we need to get out of the mindset that the preacher was saying these things. God has an enormous ability and power. It's by the foolishness of preaching. Me preaching? Never would have thunk it. Growing up in school, very quiet. I was afraid of my own shadow. 
But God uses preaching to speak to our hearts. So get past the human words and listen to the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare walk out those back doors without considering what God is saying to you. The day is coming. And very soon. Very soon. When our life here on earth will be over. Our time to serve him will be done. And those gates will swing open wide for us. And we'll be in heaven. We're walking on the streets of gold. Praising God. But saying I wish I would have done more. Unsaved loved one. What are you going to do with today's message? Do you understand that Christ is your only way to heaven? He is your only hope. Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the door. He's the door. You know, you can leave here this morning and say, I know for sure that Jesus Christ is my Savior. But you might say, how can I know? Well, that old apostle again, John, in 1 John 5.13 said this, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Allow Christ to become your daysman. Make today the day of your salvation. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. What is Jesus saying to you this morning? Are you here without Christ as your Savior? Today can be the day of your salvation. You can know for sure that Jesus is your Savior. And he will become your daysman. Child of God, what about you? Are you satisfied with your life? Are you satisfied with your relationship with God? I think the more... We've been talking about carnal Christians on Sunday night in the Corinthian church. I think the more that we get in tune with God and the more we allow him to grow us from carnality into spirituality, we will recognize. The more spiritual we become, actually the worse we'll realize that we are. Perhaps you're here this morning and you don't have a church home. You know, God intends for his children to, be gone, to belong to a local body of New Testament believers. I'd have you consider this morning, is McKee Road Baptist Church that church that God intends for you to be a part of as he fitly joins together those bodies? Whatever your state is with God this morning, I would just simply pray that you let him have his way with you. Let's pray. Father, uh, it's time now that we respond. Dear God, I believe you've spoken to hearts. So God, may those bodies that house those hearts respond to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me, please.